Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. I wonder what that could be this week. This is our 205th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 687th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of March 11th, which is incorrect, it is March 18th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, as you might suspect, the coaching change this week is is wrapped around the banner moment. And I think it's one of those where we've heard many people say that hope springs eternal, and uh, that's ultimately been kind of the excitement, the hope that people have felt this week, uh, not just for hanging another banner if you want to truly relate it to the segment, but I think just for what next season could be uh, as we ended the regular season a week ago with the loss to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament, I think it was really hard to spin what would happen next year in a positive way to say how things would really turn around. And now there's a chance for that. Uh, at the same time, you look back and and I think all of us, as well as a number of others, really thought the Archie Miller hire was a great one. And for whatever reason and reasons that we may never really know, Things just didn't work out, and it doesn't mean that he's not a good coach and won't have success elsewhere. It just wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good marriage, and things never really worked out, never got better, which led to Scott Dolson's decision on Monday. I think the difference this time around is that IU, based on everything you hear, seems poised to pick somebody who has already coached and won in a major conference, and that, to me, is where the the big difference is lie and perhaps why this time around will be more hopeful doesn't mean that it will work for sure uh if if we've learned anything from the last coaching hire it's that nothing is a sure thing and so you know we move forward with that hope and that optimism uh that things will will be there but it's been uh an interesting and exciting week uh to follow the program and to be around it uh i know we did last did a show on monday and there have been uh, approximately 96 episodes of Crimson Cast recorded in the time between when we spoke on Monday and when we are speaking with everyone tonight. Um, but there is certainly a renewed passion around the program, and uh, hopefully that channels itself in a positive way as the next coach is announced and uh, we move, for- move forward with that regime and see what the future holds. So that to me was the, the banner moment this week, that hopefulness that we feel right now, and let's hope that uh, it sticks around a little bit longer perhaps than it did the last time. <laughs> Um, so with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's episode. Uh, Jared isn't here right now, but he will be, uh, he's pledged to join us later once his, uh, bedtime duties are fulfilled, uh, and assuming that he doesn't fall asleep as the father of a newborn. Uh, but we do have the, uh, the full cast here tonight. So to my left. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, we're on the eve of the NCAA tournament, or I guess really the NCAA tournament has begun with a couple relatively close games, uh, one really close game uh, so far as we've recorded tonight. But uh, care to rant about IU not even being in the tournament when the whole thing's being held uh, in Indiana and at Assembly, Assembly Hall? Or uh, is there another direction that you want to go? I, I'm trying to be positive, Andy. Why'd you have to just drag me? To, I, I wanted to say, guys, and, and you can chime in on this. Can you imagine what this show would have been like if there hadn't been a coaching change <laughs> with games going on at Assembly Hall? No real hope for the. I feel like the coaching change changed the mood of the fan base 
like I've never seen. I haven't seen it in a long time like that. I think that there was positivity when Archie uh, was hired as well and some excited, but it was also, there was a little cautious optimism there because it wasn't the huge big name hire. And, and I think that I feel like the rest of the fan base that Scott Dolson has pretty much all but said, I'm going to do something big. I'm not, I'm not being cautious here. And I can say something definitively here. Uh, I actually was talking to a few people earlier today and then someone when I came on and, and I've talked to some people in the NBA and I've talked to some people around Indiana and I can definitively say that Brad Stevens is going to have a chance to be the, to be Indiana's head coach if he wants to be. And, and that's what I've been told by several people is that they are all in on Brad Stevens and it's basically going to come down to the offer is enough. The offer is going to be enough money for him to, you know, be enticed by it. It's just going to come down to whether or not he wants to do it. And, and he may not want to do it. And, and you know what, if I had to put odds on it, I might not put odds in favor of it, but Indiana is going after him. And that's, you know, honestly, throwing your best shot at that guy, you can't complain about if your athletic department's doing that, whether or not they land him or not is completely up to Brad Stevens. And what I will say about it. And, and it reminded me of a, conversation I once had with a high school coach in Indiana who was coaching at a very small school. Uh, he was doing very well, but there was a big program and the big program was where he went to high school and his name was on the wall as like an all time great player and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm changing the, the, his name. Cause I don't want to, I he, think this was a secret. He tell he told me, but uh, he, I asked him like, why wouldn't you go? Cause he told me they, they had offered, you know, they had, a, had a couple coaching changes and they'd offered him the job several times. And he turned it down every time. And I said, well, why would you do that? You know, we were talking in private. And, uh, and he said, because, you know, when I go home, I don't want to be coach. I just want to be Dave, we'll say his name was. He just wanted to be Dave when he went to his hometown. He didn't want to be coach. And there's something to that with some of these people that, that you know, maybe they don't want to have all the attention when they go back home. Maybe they just want to be a regular person when they go back home. And, and I don't know if that's a draw for, for Brad Stevens. I don't know if that's going to be a setback, but I think that it's when you think about going home and you think about all the positives going home. And if you want to, if you want to hear about it, listen to Mark Titus and Tate Frazier on their podcast, talk about all the reasons that Indiana makes sense for Brad Stevens and why he'd want to go back. They put out an emergency podcast last night. It's great. It's an hour of them just saying that it's stupid to think that it wouldn't be a draw for him. And I agree with most of what they said, but there are some people who aren't drawn in by that. And I don't know what Brad Stevens' draw is. I don't know what it's going to take to get him. But I and, and and quite frankly, the other guys on Indiana's list are pretty darn good too. So I can say that they're going after him, and I can say that they really, really want him. And if they're not making it a secret, whether it happens is up in the air. But I would say that if they don't get him for whatever reason, there's some really good coaches on their wish list that follow him. I think Indiana is going to come out of this with a really good head coach. I would be shocked if they did not come out of this with a really good head coach, but it's clear who they're going after. Number one. And it's not like it's one, a one B it's one a, and he's the big option they miss. They've got other options, but that's what they're doing. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I'd recommend the Tyson Tate podcast. And I, I joked, I texted you guys earlier. I was only about halfway through it. I said, if, if Stevens comes to IU, Mark Titus is going to take the victory lap of all victory laps. Uh, for, he can for come on this show and do said. a little bit of it. Absolutely. It would be, uh, it would be amazing. So anyway, uh, all right. And to my right. He remembers the 
win a movie cost a dollar Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar Play hard but remember fake hustle is a crime He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time Coach, not to not to dig too much into how you're spending your personal time, but uh, you know, just let us if you could let us know either when your interview with Scott Dolson is or how it went, uh, that would be appreciated, and uh, and just how much more or less you'd be willing to take the job for than the uh, reported offers to Brad Stevens. It would cost IU a lot less, um, and then I would bring Ryan along as the the shot doctor, and then we could do the show from the coach's office. So, you know. Um, I'm on hold until a decision's made uh, out east. But, no, I tell you, I, I was um, – uh, four years ago I was encouraged. I thought Archie Miller uh, was the guy. I, I defended him for a long time. Uh, supporting coaches, I always do that. Uh, but midway through the year, um, things really started to turn for me. And and I think Scott Dolson made the right decision. Uh, the program needed to go in a different direction. Um, appreciate uh, what Archie tried to do. It just didn't get done. Um, and it was time to go different. Uh, I am really just rooting for Scott Dolson. Uh, I, I think he made a tough decision and the right decision to move in a different direction. I applaud him from what I hear so far that he wants to get a really solid hire. Uh, and I'm just rooting for him. I, I, uh, I'm staying away from the, you know, watching the Boston Celtics and the flight patterns and all of those kinds of things. And if you guys as fans want to do that, that's great. Go ahead. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm just going to stay away from that because I want to I be ready for whoever is the next IU coach to really be on board and hope that it moves in the right direction. Obviously, if Brad Stevens the next coach, that would probably be number one uh, for me. You can't deny that would be a great, great hire. Uh, I will t- uh, caution fans to temper your expectations so that there isn't a letdown. Um, but like Ryan said, the next two or three guys down the list are really going to be solid. I don't believe there will be a letdown. Uh, but there's a lot of intangibles that we need to talk about, timing and, and the NBA season going long and all of those things, um, that there are good discussions in our community about waiting if you had to wait and so forth. Uh, there are some issues, uh, but I'm really just rooting for Scott Dolson. I, I think with the extension of Tom Allen, uh, really impressed with that. Uh, the decision to go uh, and, and try to bring Indiana basketball back to where we all want it to be, applaud that. And so I have to have faith that, we're going to be happy uh, whenever the announced uh, coach uh, um, is given to us. And, and I'm just going to try to try to stay out of all of the, you know, uh, craziness uh, that goes and makes Indiana basketball so good. I, I'm trying to be uh, at least calm. All right. Well, this week, as you might suspect. Muted, Andy, as always. Uh, what a shame. <laughs> I'm going to be the next one to go. Brilliant. Whatever you just said was probably the most brilliant thing you've ever said on the show, and now it's been mute. I can assure you that it wasn't. All I was saying is what we're going to cover on okay. the show, which everybody probably could already have figured out by themselves. So even even less useful than normal. Um, but now we're gonna we're gonna talk about the coaching search. Obviously, I think there's uh, our intention. Uh, I guess you never know what will happen. Uh, between this week and next week when we have the show, but our intention is to talk about some of the fan stuff next week with the you know Jay Billis and the Hoosier hysterics. I would you know encourage people to listen to that as well. I think there's a lot of different sides of that. Ryan and Jared had a similar Very good. Uh, had a similar uh, text debate over uh, over the same subject, so we'll uh, we'll probably hit that next week. But obviously, what's going on right now that's most important uh, is the coaching search itself, and so we'll uh, we'll do a couple Hoosier headlines here and then uh, dig in on the coaching search. 
and then we'll, we got a handful of questions, um, many of which related to the coaching search, but a few things, uh, at least tied to that, uh, that we'll try to hit as well. So all of that's coming up this week on assembly call radio. So in terms of who's your headlines, it really only a couple things here. Uh, one, uh, before we dive into the men's team, the IU women's team earned a four seed in the NCAA tournament. They play VCU on Monday afternoon at, uh, two o'clock. So if they win that, I believe they play the winner of Belmont and Gonzaga. If I'm remembering the draw correctly, which was about four days ago, but it feels like about 14, uh, at this point. So, uh, exciting times for them to uh, be down in San Antonio and, and certainly wishing them the best, uh, as we go forward there. So I will make room on one of my TVs for, uh, for that on Monday, for sure to, uh, to watch the, the women take on VCU. And, and the other thing as we you know, put together the run sheet, just, you know, see if there were any lingering thoughts on Archie Miller. I thought there were a couple questions guys that, that might be a good way to tackle this before we, uh, we move forward and, and go into the, uh, into the, the coaching search piece. So Max threw a couple questions to us. Uh, one of those was what was your favorite game of the Archie Miller era? Might not seem like it now, but there were some fun times too, just not nearly enough. Uh, I think we would echo that. Um, uh, coach, I'll throw that one to you first. Any games that really stand out from a, a positive standpoint? Well, there was there was two. One was the Marquette game. Um, I forget that was uh, his in year two, I believe, uh, when the offense and the defense was was just kicking. And then beating Michigan State uh, when we were all there for uh, one of our meetups um, and, and that having that game go right down season? to the was that his that second was, season? Um, that might have been the third season. Um, maybe maybe that Although, was late in the second season. I think they were um, both. I think they were those, both second season. Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm trying th- to pull those, that down. Those two games. In year two, um, yes, because Juwan Morgan was on the team. Yeah, and um, other than that, wins felt like just big reliefs <laughs> As, instead of you know, okay, uh, instead of you know, pure excitement. There were too many wins that were just, whoo, all right, we don't have to do the same show over and over again. Um, but but those two, I think um, the Marquette kind of gave us uh, maybe some hope that that was what Indiana basketball is going to be. And then anytime you can beat Izzo, that's a good thing. There just wasn't. Way too uh, too little of that kind of basketball. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'd say that that home Michigan State win, uh, 63-62, where Justin Smith hit a bunch of threes randomly and Rob Finnessy played just lights-out defense, and it was, again, the second time they beat them. And we were there, and the spot was in the media uh, seating was like right kind of in the corner there, right by where the final play happened, and – you know, that was a season where they lost a ton of games and they had Romeo, but they, they just, they lost so many close games and had so many bad starts to games and to have them come out, have Justin Smith, who doesn't hit threes, knock down a couple threes early and anger Tom Izzo to no end. And then, uh, you know, just, just to see them get that big win. And, and quite frankly, that was the first time I've ever been in assembly hall where people stormed the court and they beat Michigan State was number six, I think. And I think just the fact that Indiana hadn't been winning, beat Wisconsin the game previous in double overtime, and then beat Michigan State, I think everybody was ready to explode, and they did, and they, they stormed the court. And um, I thought that was, that was kind of a, a cool moment to be there for. Uh, I'd also say I think the, the road Iowa win this year was as good as I felt about an Archie Miller team, uh, just the way they played defense. And at that time, Iowa hadn't lost very much. I don't know how many losses they had, but maybe one. And they and Indiana just played really well in that game on both ends and, and beat them. And I just I think that's that was sort of we talked about in the post game that that was sort of peak what Archie Miller's teams were supposed to do. They were supposed to be able to hit shots. They were supposed to play inside out, and they were supposed to play just ferocious defense. 
And in that game, they did. The issue, of course, is that they didn't maintain that over the over time. Yeah, I think you guys probably hit on any of the ones that I would have thought of. The the Michigan State one really stood out to me just largely because we were able to be there and enjoy celebrating it with with each other afterwards. So that was the one that that stood out. I think even that road that road Michigan State game was so the same year was so out of left field that it was enjoyable. Because Morgan got hurt midway yeah. through. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. It, it was enjoyable, but so just completely unexpected and and proved to be an aberration during the stretch of things that I don't know that that one would quite rise to that level, but I think you, uh, I think you got that one. What, what, wait, I have a question real quick. What was your lowest point? Well, if we're was, going to high. Yeah, that was, that was the next question. Yeah. I, and oh, it, it was your question. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. What single loss did the most damage to his tenure? And, and if you could go back in time and flip one loss to a win, would it make a difference? I, I have definitive answers on this. All right. We'll have at it then. Uh, the home loss to Purdue this year was when I knew it was probably not going to work. Would to just get and Purdue was not playing well at that point, and they were playing okay, but to get beat by twelve on your home floor and just kind of get blown off the floor, and they hit a bunch of threes, and Indiana didn't even shoot any. And I'd say the the worst one I think for his entire tenure though was the home loss at Purdue against Purdue that we were there for when Bob Knight came back. The 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 high of night coming back and the low of the feeling of how the team performed really was a stark contrast. And to lose that game, and they lost it by 12 and didn't feel like they were in it. They made a run at one point. And I remember at one point in the second half, they made a little bit of a run. And that crowd was so just ready to explode with a big, you know, have one of those big assembly hall explosions that we've all known over the years. And they just couldn't make the play to get it there. They'd, they'd get a stop on defense, come down the floor, a chance to tie it and take a bad shot. Or, you know, wide open three in the corner to take a lead and it would rim out. You know, I mean, it was just like they never got over the hump. And it felt like at that point, that was the fourth straight loss in that stretch. And it just felt like there was something missing from what was going on with the program, especially you rise to the occasion in big moments. And Bob Knight coming back was a big moment. They failed to rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think that one's there. The one that stands out to me when we think about flipping a loss to a win and what difference it could have made was uh, 2019 losing to Ohio State in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. So at that point, that was, you know, the season obviously had had gotten away from them, but they had salvaged things a little bit at the end. And if you win that game, I don't know if you make the NCAA tournament, but they were. 17 and 14 going into that game would have been 18 and 14. Maybe they lose the game. Uh, they lose the game after that. But for as bad as that season had been, losing the 12 out of 13, if you had somehow turned that around and turned that into an NCAA tournament appearance, I think that probably buys you a little bit, even though that was, you know, really unprecedented in terms of the number of losses that they took in that in that time period. But I think if you're if if I really get to the heart of the question, I guess I would say that one. I think the low point for sure was was what you brought up, Ryan. So I think those are two different questions. But if you flip a loss to a win that might have made a difference, get into the tournament that second year with Romeo, I think would have certainly earned a little bit of leeway and may have gotten things going on a better trajectory. Uh, Coach, do you have others besides that? 
for me, and I, and again, I, I obviously was wrong, uh, not wrong in supporting another coach. I, I'm always proud of that. Um, I, I just thought Archie was the guy. For me, it was when you lose to Northwestern and, and when Ryan was talking, you lose to Purdue, but not necessarily the losses. It's how you lost. All of a yeah, sudden, those, sure. drought, those droughts started again. That was the problem in year two on, and then on the road uh, in, in year three, the, the playing close till about the the 14-minute mark of the second half, and then getting outscored 29-4 to four, uh, on the road. Um, early in this season, those things seemed to be corrected. Uh, and then finally, it, it just really started to hit the fan with the uh, Michigan State loss. When, when you had big leads in the first half and the second half, and you lose that, which started the, the six-game losing streak at the end. Um, seeing the result of that kind of told me that if, if it's not turned around immediately, that, that we were going to be where we are right now. So I think that Michigan State, as well as what you guys have said, that Michigan State game was really um, the big sledgehammer on Archie's career. Yeah, the Michigan State one from this year is a is a good one. I think a little bit for the same reasons as the one that I picked. You know, if you win that game at that point, you're thirteen and nine, heading down the stretch. And given a team, given the the kind of fragile confidence of this team, perhaps winning that game, even if you had to salvage it at the end, where where you gave up the lead, came yeah. back, at least gives a little momentum. Versus, I felt like that just set the boulder rolling downhill and they could never it did they could never stop it so anyway. you know and and to think that the team lost six straight to end the year and seven of eight and the seventh of those losses was against ohio state where they just got they didn't belong on the same floor it just and the win was minnesota at home which in no world should you lose that game you know so really it's seven of eight and I, I, you know, I will say another game where I felt really good about the team and it's kind of funny to look back on it was Nebraska in the big 10 tournament last year when they just kind of ran Nebraska off the floor. And it's like, ah, I felt really good about that. I mean, again, we gloss over the fact that Nebraska had three up football, football players, players, players. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to fill out their bench and their coach left at halftime and everyone thought he had COVID, you know, when that was just starting and, um, you know, but still, it was they played well and they executed everything they were supposed to execute. So, um, yeah, uh, that that was another that was another good one that that the feelings didn't last very long. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dig into the coaching search that has uh, captivated all of us over the course of these last four days. So we'll break that down next. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Brian, I got I got a question for you um, on yeah. NBA co- coaching contracts versus uh, college coaching contracts. Are they structured the same? Are there buyouts in the pros, or are they different and more complicated to break? Um, you know, is, is if you that... want to break a contract, you're going to be able to break a contract. Okay. I, you know, if it, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, it, you know, if a guy who's coaching the Pistons wants to go to the Celtics, for example, or something like that. 
the two teams work something out where it's like a trade. You trade a draft pick and you can take the guy and, you know, there's a buyout, there's some cash that goes. If, if an NBA coach wants to go to college basketball, they always work in outs to contracts. Now, it might cost him money. He might have to give back money or the school might have to pay money, you know, to make that happen. But there's always avenues to do that. You're not you're not a slave. You're not locked into that contract no matter what you want to do. You can leave. Um, so, but, it, you know, uh, it, it's it's similar to the buyout thing. And, and again, I don't know, you know, every contract is different. So I don't know all the ins and outs, but yes, there are ways to get out of it. And guys have left NBA teams for other NBA teams before they work things out and they make it happen. And nobody wants a coach who doesn't want to be there either. So, you know, if they're not going to force a guy to stay, uh, who doesn't want to be there. And let's be real. I mean, if, if Indiana wants Brad Stevens, the Celtics are 20 and 20 and just lost to the Cavs and are not playing very well. There's a decent shot that Brad Stevens gets let go after this year. So Danny Ainge can save his hide. I mean, Danny Ainge is getting a lot of heat, and so is Brad Stevens at Boston. So I get the loyalty arc here with those guys. Is that we're going to stick it out, you know, when Brad's saying, I'm, I'm the coach of the Celtics, I'm going to stick it out. But realistically, they're in a conference, if you don't follow the NBA, with the Brooklyn Nets, who are going to win the East almost assuredly. I mean, the Bucs made a trade yesterday, so they're going to be pretty good down the stretch. But they're about the fifth best team in the East right now. And I don't mean ranking, I don't mean standing wise, but I mean like where they're going to end up. They're about the fourth or fifth big best team in the East. And that's not changing next year because they're locked into contracts with guys or they're not going to be able to make big moves. And the Nets are going to be back next year and have three superstars. The Sixers have a bunch of guys who are going to be back next year and Doc Rivers. Giannis isn't going anywhere in Milwaukee. Like, you know, I mean, so it's, it doesn't look like there's a path forward to a championship. And, the other thing to remember is that NBA coaches, he's been there eight. This is his eighth season. That's long for an NBA coach. I mean, Phil Jackson coached the won six titles, and they ran and, and the the Bulls wanted him out by the end of his sixth championship. I think he was there eight years, nine years. You know, so Brad Stevens hadn't gone to an NBA Finals there, and so that's a long time to be an NBA head coach. So. I know when Danny Ainge hired him, the whole goal was to to sort of recreate what the Spurs do with with Popovich and have him be there forever. But realistically, that's not going to happen, and it just doesn't these days. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of people in Boston calling for for Stevens's head. There's a lot of people calling for Danny Ainge's head. Danny Ainge may have to sacrifice the guy that he brought in to to you know make them a power for 20 years. He may have to sacrifice him to save his own job. So we'll see. And, and you know, Stevens is aware of that. He's not, he's not a dumb guy. Uh, we'll see. I, who knows? He may decide he's very uh, comfortable and that, you know, if he gets fired by the Celtics, he'll take the payout and wants to go, you know, cause he'll get another NBA job and he may just take the, take the payout from the Celtics and go, you know, coach somewhere else in the NBA, maybe sit a year coaching the NBA somewhere else. If that's what he really wants, Hey, good luck to him. Um, I certainly, obviously I'm biased. I think that the Indiana job is as good as any, any job in, in basketball, maybe a, a half a step below some of these, but it's up there. And with the connections, I, I don't think he's going to have a better job. And here's the other thing. If he gets fired by the Celtics, he's never getting a Celtics level job again. You know, he's not going to get the, the Lakers job isn't open. Frank Vogel is doing a great job there. He's not going to have that open anytime soon. There's no other NBA job. What, the, maybe the Knicks? The Knicks are actually doing pretty well under Tom Thibodeau. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. 
So those top three jobs in the NBA are going to be taken for a while. Maybe the Bulls. Well, guess what? Billy Donovan just signed there last year. I mean, so as far as a top, top tier job, he's not going to have that if he, go, if he goes away from the Celtics. So that's another thing to consider. And again, I, I will say it definitively again. He's going to have the choice. If he wants to go to Indiana, I think he knows this may be the last chance he gets. And Indiana knows, hey, if we throw everything at him and he says no, we're never getting this opportunity again. It's working out perfectly. The Celtics aren't good. He might get let go. We have an opening. We have more money right now available than we may ever have because of how aggressive the boosters are being right now and the donors are being. This is his. This is the shot for it to happen. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. This is the chance, and it's up to Brad Stevens. Yeah, That's, I just didn't know. I just didn't know if there were difference. Every college has a coach buyout and a, and a yeah, player buyout. I didn't know if that was written in I'm or sure, that just get down to if it wants to happen either way. They they sit down and negotiate a parting of the ways. It you know I didn't know I, if the I, NBA and college were different. I, I think what would happen more often than not if a coach wants to leave, I think he. And the team would sit down and say, all right, let's negotiate a buyout. Because Brad Stevens got extended last year, got his contract right. extended. Five years. Yeah, so they would sit down and say, all right, you know what? Let's figure this out. Either I take nothing and Indiana, and I just go to, you know, we, we just part mutually part ways. Or let's say, hey, you're going to fire me anyway. Give me two years. Give me like, uh, you know, if I got a five-year contract, give me one year of that salary and I, I'll go somewhere else. Um, or, or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just making up, making up decisions here, but I think that they would sit down, especially Ainge and Stevens have a good relationship. I'm sure they would sit down and talk something out rationally. Now, if the Celtics want to say, no, you're not going anywhere, then Indiana would have to come in and pay whatever an NBA buyout is. I don't know. I know it's easier going college to college. I don't know, but I don't know specifically what's written into some of these contracts because you rarely have it in the NBA guys just get fired or they retire. You know, they don't, they don't usually go team to team it's rare for that to happen. and that's just big and i'm sure we'll talk about this one in in, in the next set. it's time the timing is a huge issue um yeah i definitely want to talk you know, through kind of how that would whether you you, you know you wait don't wait because the nba seasons in ends in may this year right instead of april 17th may it's a month longer and then you got the tournament if even if they're in a a round or two yeah, you you know, so that's why I wondered how easy it would be if if both sides wanted, you know, I guess if both sides wanted to or if Boston wanted to, it's an easy thing. They could just pull the trigger. But if if uh Stevens really did want it, what kind of hoops would he have to do? And I'm sure he would want to get started here as soon as possible. Yeah, let's, they, they'd let's, figure it out. Yeah, I was gonna they, say let's save it. that for what we want to do because that's that's one of the main questions right. about him. Because I it's not a question of whether you want him or you what whatever, like it's really right. kind of how it yeah. how it could actually. I don't work, think there's you know? anyone who wouldn't want him. I yeah. mean, maybe there are a few fans who want to go 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 elsewhere, but who who wouldn't want to have him? But there's some complications. I, I think that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into that. We'll uh, do the coaching search stuff and go from there. So, all right, I'll start the next segment. But I'm glad I don't have to keep track of the time. So, here we go. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. 
We'll talk soon. All right, had to go with that one as I was watching the tournament games earlier tonight and heard uh, heard Gene on the on the coverage. So it also uh, prompted me that I needed to actually get the soundboard ready for the show. So kudos to Gene on multiple levels for that. Uh, all right, well, welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are talking what else but the IU coaching search. So, uh, guys, I, I thought we would break this into tiers because on one of the many episodes of Crimson Cast this week, Galen did this, and I thought it, it made sense. So uh, the first tier is the Brad Stevens tier. Uh, I, I think what we don't need to talk about with this tier is like, oh, would you be excited if he was the coach, or do you think it would work? Uh, the questions for me, and we started to talk about this a little bit in the break, is just logistically how it, how it would work. It, it doesn't seem, given that he's in the NBA and all those all those things, when the season ends, even if the season ended at a normal time, I think it would be challenging, especially in a year where it's essentially free agency with everybody in the transfer portal. You've got recruiting. You've got to figure out which guys you're going to keep. So that's the big question for me. That one is just logistically how would it work? And I know on, on some level you would make it work and figure out a way to do it. But Ryan, what are your thoughts on kind of how, you know, how that might play out? There have been obviously very few examples uh, of, of this kind of thing happening. So there's not really a playbook to, to figure out how you work it out and how you get people on the ground running the program and how you handle that. So what, what thoughts do you have on how that part of it might be able to work? I think, Look, if he would come now, Indiana would take it. You know, Indiana would be thrilled. Uh, they would love that. But I think that there's going to be some delay there, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I think the ideal timeline is by the end of the Final Four, the Celtics either decide they're making a run at it or they're not this year and make a decision on their coaching situation. So he's got a couple weeks, essentially. If they have to wait, though, until June for Brad Stevens, from what I'm hearing, the people in charge are willing to do that. Now, they're not they're not willing to not get an answer until then. I think the implicit, you know, sort of thing would be that he would say yes behind the scenes, but I want to finish my season, and they'd be like, that's fine. And maybe as part of the deal, he has to keep one of the assistants who can then recruit and do things behind the scenes. Uh they would. They, I mean, of course, that's not their preference, but I think for Stevens, for a once-in-a-generation type guy who means so much to the state of Indiana and who would immediately come in and have the backing of everybody, I mean, if Brad Stevens comes in and says, hey, we need to redo Cook Hall, donors would throw money at him. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, he has a status in this state that they're willing to wait for. And I think that if he came... There are just so many positives for the program because of how he is thought of in the state that they'd be willing to risk that time loss on transfers and and other things to make it happen and say like, hey, his first year, we may not have the roster we want, but we know what we're building. You know, we'll figure it out. That just seems to be their attitude from what I'm hearing right now is they are they if they're if they think they can get him that they'll make it happen however they can. And if that means waiting a, a few months. They'll, they'll do it if they're confident they can get him. If they're not, 
and he strings them along, they feel like they're getting strung along a little bit. I think they'll have to move on because you're right. There is such a big sea change. And can you really risk another year of struggling or can you really risk waiting two and a half months to hear from Brad Stevens and then backing up and, and continuing coaching sir. So it's very complicated. It's not easy. It's going to be very difficult, but as far as I hear the people in charge are willing to wait if they, if they think they get Brad Stevens. Yeah, I think the interesting, you know, one, one, you alluded to this a little bit of, you know, do you have an assistant or assistants in place? Do you get the staff in place and let them kind of run things for that interim period of time? I think it begs the question a little bit, if I'm the Celtics, of how concerned with the coaching, actually coaching the team is this guy, if he's going to surely be contacted for different things with the, the new job and, and how bought in would he be to finish out the season with the Celtics, which may prompt them to do something different. I think that's kind of the balancing act. I think I think if you're IU and you knew you had him, you probably could wait and you could rig something up in the short term. But if you also knew that he had accepted the job, I'm not sure what kind of feelings the Celtics would have about that. I, Coach, what are your thoughts on – I know you were the one kind of posing some of these questions yeah. during the break, so you may have similar thoughts and concerns and questions that I do. Well, n- no one's really wrong on this in, in, in the fan base. Every Everyone, I think, would be right that you would be willing to wait as long as you can to get Brad Stevens, it's that good a hire. Um, but there's some real realistic things to run in a program that, um, one, everyone's going to know if you don't name a coach until middle of June, who your coaching hire is going to be. It's not going to be a secret you're waiting, um, which is not a problem. Again, you do just about anything you can to get Brad Stevens here. The problem is, I don't know if you can wait 50, 50, uh, and have Brad make a run in the tournament and they want to keep him or, he decides, you know what, I, I really like the NBA, and even though I'm going to get let go from the Celtics, I, I'll take a year off, do TV, and then go. And now you're in the middle of June and have had two, two and a half months without a coach moving the program forward. That That's a concern to me as far as the program. And that, to me, makes it complicated. I'm not saying or advocating one way or the other. Don't read it as I don't want Brad Stevens. This is very complicated on timing. Uh, there was someone who said Mata was hired in the middle of the summer, but I think – or Mata was – uh, Holtman was hired in the middle of the summer, but Mata was let go like 10 days prior to that. It was a quick change. In, in my memory, a lot of changes happen within, you know, um, a shorter period of time than what we would have to wait until the NBA season's done. So, again, I'm trusting Scott Dolson to to know uh, what, what what is best for the program, but that timing – to me, is a big piece. Uh, and, and I think it's best, and I'll just be honest, I think it's best to have Brad Stevens, Chris Beard, Thad Mata, John, Beeline in, in the, by the end of the tournament or soon after the end of the tournament so the program can move in the right direction under their direction. From a basketball coaching perspective, that's best for the program. Obviously, this is unique, and the timing might be a little different. It does concern me waiting and being rejected and then – is Mata still available? Maybe he takes another job. Maybe Beeline, is he available? Uh, you hope that those guys would still be available um, if you had to fall back in June. And if you could guarantee those guys were ready, then wait. Um, but that's a lot of lot of ifs there um, that it's, um, it's I'm going to be watching. It's a huge risk, Coach. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's a huge right. risk. But it just sounds like the people in charge right now feel like if they think they're getting Stevens and – are very confident they're getting Stevens. You would have to be. They're waiting. For, of you, course, you, in they my opinion, they wouldn't do it, it for, a 50, 50. for a. They wouldn't do it for a coin flip. They would have no. to feel like they are pretty sure they're getting it. 
Well, with, with any risk, I'm just going to pop in here. Uh, <laughs> with any Welcome, ri- Jared. Thank you. With any risk, what do you measure, right? You measure the reward. And that's what makes this so unique, right? There aren't many situations where you would wait around and not have your head coaching position filled. But if the reward is getting Brad Stevens, you do it. Like, that's why, you know, Coach, you said it's complicated. I guess the way that I would term it is there are complications, but it's not that complicated. Like, he's the guy. You pretty much do whatever you can do to get him. And if you get left in the middle of the summer and he ends up saying no, what's the worst case scenario? You're still probably going to get a pretty good coach because it's still a really good job. And a lot of those options are still going to be there. Now, it's going to be a short-term pain, but in four or five years, that stuff's not really going to matter that much, you know? especially if you get him and you have to remember if you don't get him and you put yourself in kind of a difficult position in the middle of the summer you have to go back and remember look yeah this isn't ideal but we did this because we thought there was a legit shot to get this guy and we pushed our chips to the middle of the table and you got to live with the results at that point so so with that then one man is worth holding a program hostage for three months and and if we don't get him you're looking at possibility of having another you know Archie Miller from the A-10 come in, who everyone thinks is good. I mean, there's some good options that are out there besides Brad Stevens as well. A lot of whom might still be there at that point. I mean, you wouldn't do it for anybody. You would do it for him. That's it. Yeah. You know, this is a very specific thing. And here, here's the thing. And also, the, we're talking about an edge this. case that probably won't happen. Like, I think we're going to have an answer on this probably sooner rather than later. And, you know and what I mean? So here's here's what I will say too. Every coach out there right now knows that Brad Stevens is the top choice for Indiana. And there are guys who are still interested in the Indiana job. They know they get the connect. They're not stupid. These guys aren't stupid. They understand the world and they understand there's a special connection there. Indiana's going to go after this guy, but Hey, you know what? We really like you too. We have to chase this. I'm not, not saying the don't. Job could be yours. So I, so I'm saying, I'm no, saying, no, I know what you're saying, but I'm just here in the next month. I'm not clarifying for you. I'm clarifying for people listening. These coaches understand. Archie Miller knows he was not the first name on the list when Indiana was looking at coaches. He knows that, and he still took the job. Guys who get hurt by pride are the ones that don't move up when they should. And so a lot of these guys are really smart about their careers. And you know what? If I back into the Indiana job, it's still going to be great for me because I'm going to get paid a lot of money. I'm going to have resources I've never had before, and I'm going to have a recruiting grounds I've never had before and I'm going to be able to you know raise myself up if you look at certain guys I'm not naming anybody but I'm saying certain guys know the score and they're still going to want to take this job now I get it pushing back a couple months is is tough on the program I get it but they're only going to do that if they think they're getting it they're not going to do it on a coin flip so if he says no this time does it end the Next time we have to have another coach, yes. search, or is Brad Stevens in the next three, four years, if the next coach doesn't, are we all jumping back on, on board and waiting until June again in three I more think years? From what I've heard, everybody involved with this on both sides knows this is probably the last chance for this to happen. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. If it doesn't happen, Indiana can say, we took a run at him. We threw our best shot. He doesn't want to come here for whatever reason, and that's fine. We're moving on. Okay, but let's also remember no one anticipated this timing coming. So I do think You're right. I do think that's probably what would happen, but it's probably not even worth worrying about because if we hire a coach, it doesn't work out after four years. Maybe he's still in Boston. The timing could work better then. Like I think I think I think I think, I think, I think chips that- are being pushed into middle of the table because 
at this point, it feels like the best chance we've ever had. And so we want to make it happen now and we should pull out the stops to happen now. But trying to project forward for what things are going to be in four years is kind of silly because we don't know. And a lot of things can change. And he'll only be, how old is he right now? Early 40s? In his 40s. Yeah, he'll be in his mid-40s, so who knows? Here's what I'm saying. I, I agree that it could happen again. But what I'm saying is I think everybody on both sides understands the circumstances are perfect right now. They're never going to get yes. better than this. There's more yes. money than there's ever been because people are frustrated and willing to throw as much cash as they want. In a couple of years, his star may have faded in the NBA a little bit. Maybe people don't look at him the same way. Maybe he goes to another job, bounces around. Maybe Indiana doesn't have the money it has right now. I mean, there's a million factors. I think everybody involved on both sides understands that right now might be as good a chance as they'll ever get. And if it yes. doesn't work out now, they're acting at least, and who knows what's going to happen in the future, but they're acting as if at least now it's like, this is our chance. This is the one shot everybody's going to get for this to be perfect. And if it doesn't work, we need to all move on and support whoever's next and yeah. hope that the other guy we get is here for 20 years and Brad Stevens we never even think about again if he says no. And that's not to knock Brad Stevens. He, he may have a million reasons why he, want, why he doesn't want to come back. But I think that every you're right. Everybody's pushing chips in and saying this is the time. If it's not going to happen now, it's not going to happen. All right. So let's move on to let's move on to the next tier. Uh, and and that really is the current coaches. So the guys that have been thrown out: Chris uh, Chris Beard, Scott Drew, uh, Musselman, Nate Oates. Like, do you think based on what you know, what you've heard, whatever, are there any of those we can truly eliminate? I know Oates came out and said he wasn't looking to move. It sounds like his buyout is even bigger than what Archie's was. So yeah. it feels like you could yeah. probably remove him from the equation beard. I would definitely not remove from the equation and I'm less sure on the other two. So anybody besides Oates, you guys would strike from that group or add to that group of current coaches. So Steve, so Alford. Here, <laughs> Steve Alford is gone. Um, you so can't, here, here's you what can't I would fire say him. He quit. He did the uh, preemptive. Yeah, I'm not right. going to go he after did. this job that I'm not going to get. So that's always fun. Well, one thing I want to say is a transition to this topic, and we can go through those names. And I think it's important. You know, we've gone as a fan base in 48 hours from believing this, you know, wasn't possible to now everybody's kind of getting their hopes up, which, like, I think is fine. Like, get your hopes up. Like, it could happen. There's a realistic thing. Like, there's real things happening. Get your hopes up. But I think it's important to maintain some perspective that it still very well could not happen. And there will be inevitable disappointment, but there doesn't need to be devastation because what Scott Dolson has done is put us in an incredible position to go after the greatest coaching candidate Indiana has had since Bob Knight was fired. And that's what Brad Stevens is. You know, he checks as as many that not, that doesn't mean it's a guarantee that it'll work, but he's the best candidate unquestionably. Nobody would question it. You may not get him, but what Scott Dolson has done is incredibly, you know, because of all the resources that are being thrown and the way he's handled this, he has put the position back up on the pedestal where it should be, where we kind of wondered like, man, is this still going to be a desirable job? It is. And I think even if Indiana doesn't get Brad Stevens, I feel really good that they're going to get a good coach. And so if it doesn't happen with Brad Stevens, I think we all need to resolve like, hey, we're hopeful, we're excited, you know, we're ready to explode if it happens. If it doesn't, all right, you know what? Dust ourselves off. Let's move forward. We're still going to get a good coach, right? And some of the names that Andy mentioned, you know, like Nate Oates already pulled himself out. I don't think Scott Drew is a legitimate candidate. Um, the last time... I have heard... Uh, so just just to, to clarify, I because I talked about Scott Drew the day we did the Broncos. I have heard that uh, there are things with Scott Drew that Indiana would like to avoid. So I have heard that... I think that if they got down to it, they might go after him. But I have basically been told he's not on the list, right? 
And for a lot of reasons, I think yes. many of us agree with that. Um, the, the guy that's the most interesting to me is Beard. And the last time we got together on the podcast, I said that I didn't really think that that was a realistic possibility. But now when you see the kind of resources that are there from a, from a money perspective, and you kind of start to see you know, some of Beard's comments about Assembly Hall and feeling like he's at home. And same thing with Brad Stevens. You start to add it up a little bit. It's like, well, you know what? This actually makes more sense than I thought. So you know, to me, if I was kind of handicapping it personally from just little bits of, of information, he would be the guy that I think is kind of number two. Um, you know, I don't know if that would happen, but that's just kind of where my head is at, that it's, you know, Stevens and Beard. And then to be perfectly frank, I haven't heard a lot about anybody else. Um, that's not to say that there aren't things happening with other coaches. I just haven't heard it. And I think a big part of that is because, you know, the it's such a tight focus right now. Um, well, know, and that's but a good lot of the other names, it. Andy, that you mentioned are, would be good options too. But that's the good thing, and I, I said that in the opening about rooting for Scott Dolson. I'm not rooting yeah. – yes, uh, Brad Steve. I like Brad Stevens, like Beard, uh, would like Beeline. There's some concerns about Beeline that I have that maybe we can talk about later, but I'm rooting for Scott Dolson because I think he's doing it right. He's going after the big fish. If the big fish don't bite, he's going to move down, uh, and there's still some pretty good-sized fish available. Um, I think that's the right way to go. I think that's the Indiana basketball way to go. I just personally am not not getting to the point where I'm going to be devastated if if one of those top two uh, do not pan out for whatever reasons, because there are reasons for each of those to stay where they're at if they make that decision. Uh, and that doesn't reflect negatively on Indiana either, that they're not rejecting Indiana necessarily. They're just maybe say, I, I'm more comfortable where I'm at. Uh, and and that, that's something that I think we all need to realize as well in these coaching coaching searches is that Indiana may want someone they they may want to be where they're at and it doesn't mean uh, anything negative so I think I applaud that comment Jared I think that's really something that all of us need to know is that we want we want Brad Stevens we want Chris Beard at these next two levels um, but we got to trust Scott Dolson because he's shown that he's really doing things I think in in the right way for Indiana athletics and yeah I, I would thing, say this one thing I think is important to note here as as we all handicap these choices, right, and think about who is the right candidate, and I'm sure Scott Dolson is doing this, right? It's like, okay, what are the attributes of this coach that are the most important? And, you know, we're not having the conversation now about, you know, the fan base and where the fan base is at, some of that stuff. We're going to talk about that later, but, you know, the four of us had a big text chain about it. And I think, you know, one of the things that I think we all agree that this program needs is the tradition needs to be modernized, right? We've got to honor the tradition, but bring it into like, you know, the 21st century, bring it into a 2021 context. And what I think is so important about the new coach that we hire is that we hire someone who has the authority because they have skins on the wall to come in and command immediate respect from the fan base and the type of personality that can take command of the narrative so that when things need to be pushed forward, if that, if that coach thinks that names need to be removed from the backs of the jerseys, he can sell the fans on it because we believe him because of his track record and he's got the personality to command it. That's part of why I like Stevens and Beard so much because they're the two out of all of these that have that. I mean, they've got, and, and look, obviously, you know, winning and losing is the most important thing. You got to have the X's and O's, the recruiting, all of that stuff. But for this fan base at this time, you know, the reason why Crean and Archie, I mean, one of the big reasons why they didn't work is their personality Crean's personality fit at the beginning, but didn't fit long term for what the program needed. You know, we need that fit. And I really think that that Stevens and Beard bring that. And I think you have to kind of start to 
analyze the other coaches within that context. You know, are they, this is a fan base that I think wants to be, <laughs> this fan base wants to be led by someone it trusts. And we've spent 13 years being coached by people that we might've liked, we might've somewhat believed in for a time, but didn't really trust, you know? And so who's going to be that coach that immediately brings that trust back? Those two would do it. You know, would a beeline do it? I mean, he's only been the best coach in the Big Ten over the last decade. So, you know, minus the age stuff, you know, he, he would certainly have that. But I just think that that part of the decision, that criteria is so important to get the guy who's going to be able to do that for this program. Yeah, I think the other thing you look yeah, at with Beard, and we, we had some uh, – we texted about this a little bit too. It was just kind of – I think it was I think it was you, Jared, just kind of looking at his record of his teams at Texas Tech and trying to figure out how to put those into some context. And – you know, one thing that really stood out to me that would be important, at least initially, um, w- was his ability to get some grad transfers to really plug holes and and use those as integral pieces of his rotation, which he's really done over the last two years. I would argue even when they went to the final game, he got Mooney from either, I think, South Dakota State uh, to come and do that. So he's been pretty effective at that. And I think in the, in the very near term, that's going to become necessary. And in a year when there's an abundance of transfers to get, I think that would serve him well to start and may set him up a little bit to have some early success with his ability to do that. Now, he also brought those guys in and put them around other guys who'd already been ingrained in his system and the culture that he had created and all those kinds of things, which he wouldn't necessarily have the ability to do, but at least being able to spot guys who were able to come in and fit into what he wanted to do and have them be effective is something that he's really done well over the last two, three seasons at uh, Texas Tech. Can I just say that I'm still not used to clean shaven Ryan? It's throwing me off still every time Sorry, I look man. at the screen. You know, I, I had three quarantine beards in the last year, so <laughs> there's very little keeping me from growing a fourth to make you feel comfortable. So got a little stubble going already. Uh, nice. Maybe I'll get there. Okay. You and Eric, man, you, you uh, from the Hoosierist Eric's cannot just can't stand me without a beard. It's... <laughs> I got used to it. What some, can I say? some of us just can't stand you at all. But with, I mean, with or without the beard, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. I, I understand. Anyway, all right, can't argue so, with it either. All right, so we move then into the uh, into the not currently working category, which is really Beeline and, and Mata. There's concerns with each of those. Uh, obviously, and coach, I'll throw this to you first because you you referenced a couple of things with Beeline. I think you have uh, age is a, is a big concern there. the The incident with the Cavs was uh, is a is a issue there potentially. Um, and I think Dustin Dapirak on on Crimson Cast kind of brought up you know his sons had some different uh, challenges, and if he wanted to bring him in, what does that do? So I think there's some a, a handful of different things there. Um, and then you've got Mata, who's got health concerns. Although uh, I was absolutely stunned to learn his age uh this week as that came up and kind of where he was i know people have said he's younger than Crean and uh a number of these other guys which i was um floored by quite honestly um but uh so anyway coach i'll throw it to you first to the because you you seem to have something you want to talk about with beeline i i think beeline and mata fit what what jared said if either of those become the coach i think we could trust them to move the the program uh, in in a, a good direction. Uh, there's no doubt that both of those guys can coach the game of basketball, and I think they can uh, run a program. the 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 comments that were made by Beeline that ended his Cavs career um, were were not appropriate uh, words to use at all. Um, and I don't know how easy that would be to uh, push aside for recruiting. 
Um, I know that if I'm another coach uh, and I need a recruit, I'm going to negative recruit along those lines very heavily. Um, that's just the way the game's played. I'm not advocating that. I don't think that's nice. But uh, you Coach treats Painter. coaches with kid gloves on the show, but the knives come out in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you know, against them. Yeah, if you're <laughs> – exactly. You support them publicly and then <laughs> and you stab them in the back uh, privately. Um, I, I think – both of those guys would we would enjoy doing post game shows with both of those guys. Um, and if t- both of those if guys want to the, join are, us, they should come. Well, on. yeah, but I mean, with those guys at the helm uh, to complete a sentence there, I, I'm out of teacher mode. We're on spring break. Uh, can't spell, but you know, I, I I like both of those guys. If we can't get, I think Stevens and Beard stay where they're at. I don't think they reject Indiana. I'm kind of reliving now that Indiana's a good job. I had some doubts a while back, but I think Scott Dolson has done enough now to say this is where we are and this is where we're headed. And there's enough traction nationally that I think Indiana's still that job. I was so worried that it was an institutional problem, and I don't think it is after this. But those two may still say no. Very comfortable uh, with with Mata and, and Beeline. Uh, you know, beeline a little bit. Michigan wanted to modernize and got it with Howard. That was a little bit of the negative at at Michigan. Um, was he recruiting the five star athletes and all of that? But I I would be very pleased um, with with both of them. It gets really nerve wracking for me to go below that. Uh, and I know you're going to talk probably about another tier because I think that's just where we've been. Um, and and, and we there's some good people out there and we could roll the dice again. But this really feels like it's a change that needs to be made and headed in the right direction and get that powerful person in here. It's just been too long, 20-some years since we've had it, and and I hope that one of the top two say yes. But those guys are good. They're really good coaches. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that if you're willing to throw – what makes this attractive to coaches is that if you're willing to throw around this much money on a coach, how much are you willing to add to the staff? How much are you willing to do for renovations on the practice facility? How much are you willing to add to do X, to do Y, to do Z? Maybe you increase the recruiting budget so we can take an extra trip to watch a kid on the East Coast or or whatever. That is attractive to coaches outside of just their salary. You know, if you're getting a huge salary, but your staff budget's going to be threadbare, that coaches understand that. And they know that, hey, that makes my job harder because I got to do more. And so I think that there's a lot of factors here with Scott Dolson talking about how he's going to go big and they're not going to penny pinch. And they got the, you know, basically said he said without saying officially that he has a blank check. That's why a lot of coaches are like, oh, Indiana's working with a blank check now. Oh, okay. You know, and it changes your perspective because again, you don't think about it. Just like when Archie gets fired, you don't think about the down the line people who now lose their jobs. You think about the coach and his $10 million buyout. You don't think about the assistants and the graduate assistants and all the support staff people who are making 45 grand who have now lost their jobs. You think about the main guy. Well, that stuff, that other stuff is really important. You ask Nick Saban how important a support staff is. He will tell you that the reason why Alabama is always in the national championship is because of the support staff. I mean, he'll tell you he's a genius, but he'll also tell you that there's support staff that helps and does so much work for them. And so all of that stuff is important. And if you're willing to toss a lot of money around on a coach, it sends the message you're willing to do a lot of other things to help the program win as well, and that's important. I want to add one, just a couple of things about these two guys, and I think Jay in the chat was was making actually a, a point that wasn't mediocre is actually pretty good, which is, you know, as we kind of try to add all this stuff up, it seems unlikely 
that it would end up being one of these guys. Because that doesn't seem, based on how this set up, the money Scott Dolson is getting, I will say this. I haven't heard much to think that Mata is really either, either he's not being considered or he's not interested or whatever, just no one's talking about him. I do have reason to believe there are people who think that John Beeline is the fallback or will be the guy. Like, that is out there. There are people who think that. Yes. So take that for I what would it's agree. worth. Um, you know, I think if he's, you know, if he's your stopgap, like you've taken your home run swings and then you end up with him, th- there would inevitably be a little bit of disappointment because of how high the bar was set. And then I think we'd all need to remember that this has been the best coach in the Big Ten for the last decade. And, you know, if you get a succession plan, you hire the right guy to come with him, there's an easy way to get excited about that. Doesn't seem like it right now because of who you're comparing it to, but there would be a way to get excited about that. But I think that's the unlikely scenario based on how this is setting up. But a pretty darn good fallback option to have. Because there was a time we were talking about who we're going to get to replace Archie, that that was like a pie in the sky discussion that we were having. You know, it's like, man, would Beeline take it? So that's how far Scott Dolson has Scott Dolson has changed the narrative of this coaching search, and that in and of itself is a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. So once we move beyond that that tier, I don't really know that there is anybody else to your to the comments that you just made. If, if those <laughs> yeah. feel like the fallback options, but I know other other people have gotten thrown. Coach Tonsoni. I know Fife. You know Fife gets thrown out. <laughs> the Calvert Cheney gets thrown out. I just you know, and I, I think Jared, somebody had asked you this: the Calvert Cheney thing as a you know, fan of his. People see player. Howard doing well, and they think yeah. that Cheney could do it too. Not yeah. analogous. Yeah, no, I, not I would, at all. they're not I analogous would, situations. I would agree. I, I think it would. You know, maybe like Pasternak is more happen, likely. But, yes. No. Yeah. So anyway, I, can we just remember Juwan like, Howard took over a program that was running at at like the highest level. He's done a really good job. But he also whatever coach we have is not going to be set up like Juwan Howard was set up to succeed from the beginning. So that would be from, an unfair position to put a guy in. Yes. And and for, for people who don't follow the NBA, Eric Spolstra is one of the most underrated basketball coaches on planet Earth and has been for years. He is, if you ask an NBA is he coach... he still underrated? Term, well, he, here's the thing. People, because he hasn't won titles without Wade mm. and LeBron and those guys, people kind of nationally kind of overlook him. But if you ask other coaches, they will tell you one of the toughest teams to defend every time is the Heat because Spolster is a genius. And they will tell you that behind the scenes, he is one of the best and they hate playing the Heat. And that was why the Heat made that run because Jimmy Butler played out of his mind. They hit a couple threes and Eric Spolster is a genius. And Juwan Howard sat there and learned from Eric Spolstra and immediately went to Michigan and was successful. And again, he, he came into a program that was absolutely humming. And the only reason that job was available is because Beeline got the itch to try the NBA. It's the only reason it was available. He didn't get fired. They didn't, they weren't unsuccessful. No, he, took he was a jump. rolling, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know what? If you shot him up with, with true serum, he'd probably tell you, yeah, I shouldn't have left. I'd be, I'd be doing pretty good well, right now. Well, let me throw something out. I mean, I hope we don't get down here and where it's headed and, and what we're hearing. I don't think it's even going to get down to this tier. But if we had to, would an NBA IU guy kind of bridge that gap until we had to go to the next uh, – a Keith Smart who's been in the NBA, a Mike Woodson that has some NBA coaching experience that knows X's and O's, might not know the recruiting, and then maybe see if there's an old guy like Martelli that would come in and, and, and be an assistant as well. Uh, if we had to, and again, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, 
But, you know, a lot of people clamor for an IU guy. Just We all fell in love with Mike Roberts coming back. If, if things fall apart and the big fish are gone, would that be something that would, would help us get through a few years? And I know that's just painful for me to even it's, say, but I mean, it, it's, it, a we're talking option, third tier, but I, I think, I think the problem you run into there, and there's a lot of qualified guys like Mike Woodson and Keith smart and a lot of the guys that you named, and it would be interesting. And I think they probably would do a good job of coaching and doing some of that stuff. My fear there is I think we all agree that one of the, we had just mentioned it, one of the things this program needs is modernize the tradition. Take what's special about what's happened in the past and bring it into the future. And if you have people who were there for the past, can they really turn the page? Can they really start a new chapter? We need to do what Nick Saban did to Alabama football, which is the past is awesome. We're building on that, but this is a new chapter and a new program. You know, and so I, that's my worry, though. I think all those guys would do a, a great job, you know, and we're only here doing this show because of the blood, sweat, and tears of those guys and the games they won, you know, so I don't want to be disrespectful to them. I just wonder if it's the right fit at the right time. And Chris Mullen didn't work out at St. John's. You know, Patrick Ewing's had a tough run uh, at Georgetown until he made this last run and still is 13 and 12. So those types of hires um, sometimes don't work out either, but. I was just throwing that out there, like if all of a sudden we're at that that level, but I, I don't think we'll get down to this third level. Yeah, I do. I do um, think one yeah. in the coaching search. Go ahead, Ryan. No, oh, Andy, no, you go. go. Don't, don't you go? Yeah, I was allowing him to go. I didn't <laughs> know he had anything to say. Hey, please. Wow. Well, that was hurtful. I didn't know he had anything to say. Yeah. Yeah. He's just been quiet tonight. Terrible. I don't know. What the hell am I supposed to do between the three? No, of you? we've been loud. Anyway, He's so, been himself, and we've been loud. No, um, I know. Yeah, the one the one kind of interesting. Uh, thing not not as a coach but and maybe this is just from listening to uh mike lewis on the hoosier hysterics like i would love to have that guy as an assistant coach he worked with stevens before like if that works out like i think that would be an interesting combination where you've got somebody to kind of bridge some of that stuff and um i I don't know i just found him really entertaining to listen to on, on both episodes he's been on so before we wrap this this segment up, which has gone, uh, luckily we're not keeping track of time for these because this would be the all time record setter. Uh, but from a timeline perspective, we have oceans of time now, baby. Absolutely. Uh, so from a timeline perspective, you know, what are you guys hearing, thinking? Does this really? Yeah, I know we've talked about the the notion of potentially having it, you know, drag into into the summer potentially with the the Steven stuff, but re- realistically. You know, Ryan, I'll throw this to you first, since you were so kind to uh, to give me that time a moment ago. Uh, what, yes. what do you th- what allowing do you, think- you to speak? Yes, I really appreciate it. Um, but but what do you think timeline wise is, is realistic for for people to think? Uh, I think I've heard a lot of chatter that a piece of this may be resolved by the weekend, and then Indiana can move on to other options. Uh, that's the rumor going around is that we may know something by this weekend. And if it's not definitive, then it's probably after the before, after the right before, after the final four. So I don't know if it would be a higher, but I think we would know what direction things are going after the weekend. Uh, we could have a good idea if we don't hear anything after the weekend. I don't know. I'd say just hold on folks. Cause it could be a, an interesting ride, but I would expect if it's not Brad Stevens, the hire will be made again the week of or directly after the final four. Yeah. That's my guess. Yep. Yeah. Can, can I just can I just lay out a fantasy though? 
And I'm I sure like that's what in, we were doing in the beginning of this segment. I'm not sure what <laughs> this is related to that. Yeah, but but feel but, free. But let's sure. ta- let's take that fantasy to its like to to like as great as it possibly could be. And I'm sure Scott Dolson has probably thought about this, right? I'm not saying it's possible or that it's likely or whatever. But you remember when Crean was fired and it basically like upstaged the beginning of the tournament, right? Like at yes. least for us, it certainly upstaged it, you know, because it got announced. Well, we were about to embark on the embark on the first NCAA tournament played all in Indiana without Indiana. What better way to dunk on that entire situation and take control of the narrative than just say, oh, we may not be here, but we're hiring Brad Stevens. It would be the most the ultimate mic drop moment for Unveil him at the final four. It would be so amazing, man. Just have so anyway. just have him descend from the Raptors <laughs> at halftime of the final four, you know? <laughs> Hey, because that's you know, Brad's the recording of Jim Neighbors like singing "Back Home Again" in Indiana. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. as he as he comes out, sure. Regardless of what happens, <laughs> Dolson is a badass. I mean, Dolson. he's just come in in his first year, and he's like, "I want this done, and I'm gonna get to. I want Allen as our football coach. Here's four point nine million. <laughs> I want to change the direction of the basketball. I, I've been on the job six months. I don't care. I'm doing it, and I want to go after Brad Stevens, and I'm gonna make him an offer." That he's going to have to think about, and, and that's just to be—that's just amazing. I mean, I might have to donate twenty-five more dollars now. Um, find that <laughs> in my will help, Coach. Trust me, exactly. anything will help. Uh, all right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll break, and then coming up in our last segment, we'll answer your questions. And uh, we have a we have a bunch left, although many of them I think we've touched on already. So we'll hit those when we come back. Stick with us on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. We can probably hit some of these rapid fire, right? I think we can I'd do imagine. a lot of them rapid fire. Yeah, I, I tried to okay. move the ones that were coaching or like Archie related that we hit. So we'll uh, we'll dive into these and see if we can get through as many as we can here in the next I don't know fifteen minutes or so. That's probably about what I got left. So hey, what's Ted think? Who's, just who, who's to, Ted think he, we're going to? He just to wants coach? to win a game. <laughs> he just <laughs> he didn't care. Find him a coach that can win a game in his lifetime, and he'll be happy. He's he's o for his life right now. Look, so. if Teddy comes into the world and we land Brad Stevens, I know. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. Good luck charm. Ooh. The good luck charm of good luck charms. By the way, how refreshing has it been to see? I mean, the, he's the, he's going to be Brad, Brad Stevens for Halloween, right? If that happens, he has to be, right? Has to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. Has to be. Um, how refreshing has it been to see the enthusiasm of IU fans again? Like, when was the last? I mean, Romeo. Romeo's commitment. Yeah, you're Last right. Time it, anybody was it was positive. Romeo's commitment when everything felt possible. Like it, it just it feels like it's two and a half years of like pent up and 
enthusiasm that we haven't been able to throw in any direction that and is just all here simply because we don't have a coach. <laughs> I mean, well, Jared, also because of the names being being bandied about, but you know, it's just Jared. Man, I told a fresh them, start was needed for this. I told them before the fan base. before the show in my rant, it was just like, can you imagine what the show would have been like if they hadn't let Archie go and the. NCAA tournament is literally going on at the time we're recording this at assembly hall and Indiana has said, or not said anything, but we're assuming that Archie's going to be back. And, you know, I, woof, this would have been rough. Like this would have been, we'd have been passing around the Xanax, like just trying to get through this. For all you of know. us, it's a, it's like a weight lifted off our shoulders. Yes. Uh, that, that, that apathy, yes. I think, I know it hit me. Um, we we talked it about it on me. the air. I mean, like it's... Um, and, and now and that, but that's Jared, where your comments need to be played over and over again about making sure that when if it's not the guy that's at the top of the list, we're still enthusiastic about Indiana basketball because I, I still think it's going to be a pretty decent hire. I, I would be shocked um, if it's not one of those you know top two or three guys, but. Um, well, let's remember the enthusiasm happened as soon as the move was made, and that was right. well before people really thought that Brad Stevens was an option. You know, yeah, that ha- that well, has. Now there along. were some people who thought Brad Stevens was an option, like in December. Well, yeah, and who knows? You know, I have no idea how long conversations have been going on, or you know, who knows when it actually became a possibility. But, but that's what I mean. I, I think a lot of this is just a fresh start was needed. You know, so we got it. All right. I'm ready for it. There was a shadow behind me just now. We saw that. Yeah. All right. Ghost. We'll start up here. That's that's a real shame. All right. Yeah. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a dude big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And wouldn't you know, we're all here, just like Deron said. This is Andy Bottoms. I'm here with Jared Morris, Ryan Phillips, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, now it's time for our mailbag, which is rather full this week, as you might suspect. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, a couple questions. And now's uh, a great time to join, by the way. I just want to give a little stronger call to action. Assemblycall.com slash community. Come there. The interactions this week and the conversations have been awesome. And if you want to go to a place where people are supportive of the program and you know you don't have to wallow in too much negativity when things go wrong and people keep perspective, these are your people. Come join us. Assemblycall.com slash community. I mean, it's a great place. I'm so proud of the community that we've built there because of the people who were there. And if you if that sounds good to you, then we want you to be a part of it. So come join us. All right. So these are really about Brad transfer Stevens. activity from the uh, the current team. So Jeffrey and Elbow's in both asked questions about this. So uh, you know, do you think guys transfer out? Heard positives from Leal and Galloway. Nothing from Lander or Geronimo. Uh, and then Elbow's in kind of phrased it slightly differently. Considering limited transfer portal activity from this year's team, does that speak to confidence they have in Dolson and bringing a great coach or? 
they're just kind of waiting around to, to see what that is. So what kind of, uh, Ryan, I'll throw this to you first, you know, what kind of read do you get, or do you make anything from guys who either have or have not stated their intentions, uh, in terms of coming back? I've heard that pretty much the guys who have not announced anything are in wait and see mode. You know, they're going to, they're going to see how this plays out and make a decision. And I think they've got plenty of time to do that. You know, if it gets into June, maybe they, you know, uh, have, have some issues, but as far as I think that, you know, the guys who've announced they're staying are, are going to stay. And I think the other guys are, you know, just trying to figure out who's going to be the head coach. And that, and that honestly, that's what they should do because if you don't fit a guy's system, why would you want to commit to stay somewhere? And, and they, they have a free transfer essentially this year. So I, I would say that that's absolutely the right move. And, uh, We'll see what happens, but but I think I think I, I think most of these kids want to stay here. It's just they're waiting to make a definitive move until they know who's going to be that coach. Yeah, Jared, coach. That's where the timing issue for me is a concern, and I know that was a point of disagreement between all of us. That you know these kids are going. To, some of these kids are going to get recruited right now uh, to to make a decision, and, and you know. Uh, a, a real long wait, but again, that's where Jared is also correct that it's worth the wait, even if the next year is not the talent level that we need. And the coach will have to bring in some transfers, but we know that it's a eight to ten year plan, uh, and maybe us as fans got to get ready for that too. That um, if there is some attrition, which there usually is in a coaching change, um, to have a little bit of patience, um, um, because you know Fred Hoiberg came to and he was a pro coach and came to Nebraska. And, and there's been a lot of turnover too, so there, there's no guarantee that there it's an instant uh, return to back where we are. But I hope all of the all of them stay. I, I would think that if it is Brad Stevens, all of them would want to stay because of his experience and and what he could do. And it would be just fantastic to play for a guy like that. So um, I, I'm hoping they stay because I like the guys. Um, and, and and but I wish them to the best in making their decisions. Yeah, Jerry, there was also one about Logan Duncombe, so kind of along the same lines of, of him. I know C.J. Gunn, I think they came out and said, you know, they're still committed, but they're obviously waiting to see. I think they're both really in the same boat. Uh, anything more that you've you've heard on uh, either of those guys? I think it's almost certain that C.J. comes. I think a lot of the Indiana guys. I'd be really surprised if any of the in-state guys left. Um, you know, as far as Logan Duncombe goes, you know, the story that you hear is that, you know, Scott Dolson hopped on a, hopped on a zoom call with his, with his family to talk with him one-on-one, which is just such a great move by an AD. And I don't know how many ADs would do that. Now, maybe he can do that because it's a small recruiting class, but you know, that's got to make him feel like a million bucks, you know? So he seems like a guy that really likes Indiana. He has a clear path to playing time. I don't see how Logan Duncombe, regardless of coach, could find a better situation that he's going to have at Indiana. So again, you know, unless you just get a coach that's the wrong fit, but I mean, if we're getting one of our top few candidates, like coach said, I mean, if Brad Stevens comes in, who's not going to want to play for Brad Stevens? And if they don't, see ya, you know, <laughs> because I mean, same thing with Beard, you know, like I think these are guys that you want to play for, um, you know, so I... Yeah, and I, I think both. I think both those young guys. I'd be really surprised if either Duncan or CJ Gunn doesn't end up coming. And actually, for both of them, I would. I think that regardless of the coach. And the only thing, Jared, is that a lot of it is relationship too. You, yeah. you can have a lot of respect for a coach, but you know the relationship style of play could be a factor as well. Um, but yeah, I hope they would want to stay for both those guys. But there also could be a situation where it, you know you talk to the guy and you just 
feel maybe you need to go somewhere else. So again, I, I trust those families and those kids to, to do what's best and wish that everyone stays because it would be a lot better turnaround. Mm-hmm. All right. This one comes from Scott and his question was, uh, did we regress the season from when we played Florida state and OT on the road to losing six straight look good to start Had a clear path to the tournament halfway through, albeit tough big 10 schedule still place our largest gap on confidence and culture personally. Um, do you guys look back and view that Florida state game as not necessarily a turning point, but a, a harbinger of, uh, of things to come potentially losing a close game in that situation. Jared, you, I'll take you this one. Seemed, I think, you seem ready you, to answer. So go ahead. I do. I do. Do you, do you guys remember that post game show? That was one of the most yeah. enjoyable post game shows we did, even though they lost because they played well. They played confident. Like I remember what we talked about with Rob and Al in that game. We were like, they were attacking, you know, now they're not, their skills aren't quite good enough. They couldn't finish and they didn't shoot a very high percentage, but man, if they can give us this kind of effort and aggressiveness against, you know, teams that aren't the length of Florida state, we're going to be really good. So I think in a lot of ways, the Florida state game was actually the high point of the season because we really should have gone on the road and beaten a really good team. And unfortunately, we couldn't bottle that. But I thought just the way that the team played together, the aggressiveness of the guards, it was it was one of the best performances we had all year. And it's it's frustrating thinking back to that because if you transplant that very performance into every Big Ten game, Indiana probably goes twelve and eight in the conference. You know, and it was there, and we just couldn't hold on to it, and we couldn't we didn't have the long term confidence and consistency to make it happen. Yeah, I think that we talked about it on that game, but I I remember my takeaway from that game was, yeah, they played really well, but at some point you've got to close these out. And we'd had issues closing games out in the past, and so it felt like a repeat. Now, again, you're right. They played really well, and so you feel like, well, you went on the road to Florida State, played really well, and they're a really good team, and they're athletic, and Florida State turned out to be a really good team. But I also felt like, there was something missing where they didn't come through. And, you know, Trace Jackson Davis uh, was really upset in the locker room after that game because, he, again, he wanted to be able to close those games out and yeah. things like that. I think, it, yeah, it was definitely a harbinger of things to come that they could play well but not good enough, you know, and we saw that as the season went along. And and you saw some overtime games that went the wrong way and you saw some games against good teams where they had good stretches and couldn't finish. And I think it's just that – that game, you're right, it was a hinge point. If if it had turned out well, you could say, hey, they went on the road and almost beat a really good team, and that showed us what they were capable of, and you know, get a couple breaks and maybe you win it. But it also showed us where the flaws were. Yeah. And so it was one of those things, it was a hinge point game, and season could have gone one way or the other, and it went the wrong way. All right, next question is from Brandon, which who throws out a, a terrifying hypothetical. Coach, I'll throw this to you first because this would be – truly right in your (laughs) right in your backyard who would we root for in a gonzaga versus purdue championship game so gonzaga with a chance to become the you know erase iu from the being last team versus purdue trying to actually win a national championship coach what 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 would you do it'll be a cold day in hell before i root for purdue (laughs) that is the correct answer that's right Sorry, Gonzaga. I'll all say the way. I'll say this was a, a COVID year in special situations, and it doesn't take <laughs> over the '76 team. But I cannot root for the Boilers. Sorry, nope. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm rooting for Gonzaga to go undefeated in that game. Quite frankly, I, I can't. I, I yeah, 
I, I couldn't root for Purdue to win a, to win its but it doesn't matter because Purdue doesn't make the final four. So it's just yep. not gonna happen. So yeah. you know I would like look, I want to see Gonzaga lose. I really do, because I, I want us to hold on to that. If someone is gonna match the undefeated season, we could do a lot worse than it being Gonzaga. Like I think they would be worthy a worthy that is program a loaded to take team it. and a good program. It's great. I, I really respect Mark Few. I respect their team. Jalen Suggs is awesome. That's a well put together team. They play well. Like it's it's a team that you know has I mean, you can even say it's got some similarities to the 76 team in terms of how balanced it is and how many different things it can do. And just, you know, so they they would be a worthy, you know, torch holder for that, you know, for that distinction. But I hope both of them lose before the championship game. Yeah, look, and and by the way, I've I've I looked at this and I tweeted this out as soon as the bracket came open. Gonzaga's got a really easy road to the Final Four, and they the the craziest thing. I, you maybe Andy and Coach, you may you may know this. I but of the top four seeds in their bracket, three has that ever happened before? I probably not. I mean, there's rules against parts of it in terms of who you can play and when but if you've only played somebody once it really doesn't do a great deal and and part of this year in particular with not having the geography be a factor is you followed more of the actual s curve but you do have things with other conferences so with all the big 12 and big 10 teams toward the top you were painted a little bit into a corner with some of that you also can't have the top two seed be in your region so alabama couldn't have been there and um, yeah, but there's probably some things I, you um, could have flip flopped if you yeah. really wanted to to try to avoid some of those without a ton. But, I mean, of, that's uh, just the luck of the draw. Of that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's what it was, Ryan. I I took the seed list from the NCA, the actual seed list they released, and then went through a uh, a bracketing process and totally had the same thing according to their rules. Um, there were a couple of things which they switched, which I didn't understand. But once I looked at it, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This isn't the second team out of this division. So uh, that's just the way. And I thought Illinois had a tough bracket. Um, but, again, that's just the way the S-curve uh, took it. Uh, yeah, I think I think Michigan's is the hardest because they lost livers. And you look at the matchups, they're going to need an Isaiah livers to win some of those games. But I agree, both uh, Michigan and Illinois have, yeah, Michigan, have the toughest regions. Yeah, Michigan's is rough between LSU, St. Bonaventure, second round, probably Florida State after that, um, and then Alabama potentially in the uh, – or even Texas yeah, in, the, in the Elite Eight would, would all be – Illinois has no tough. one who can guard Kate Cunningham either if Oklahoma State makes it there. I yeah. mean, that's that's going to be a hell of a match because it would basically be three, guy, three really good players – Against Kate Cunningham was going to be the number one pick in the draft and has been the best player in college basketball this year. I mean, I just it's there are some really interesting matchups that are going to come out for the Big Ten teams. But yeah, it's Gonzaga. I mean, anything can happen. You see number one seeds fall all the time. You see undefeated teams lose all the time. But uh, I I don't see how they don't come out of the West. All right, last one, and then I gotta I gotta call it a night here. Um, so Phil asked this. He just said, "Tell us about your Mark Titus conversation. Did you know him before? Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've we've had him. I don't know specifically which conversation necessarily he's referring to, but we've had him on the show. I don't know what four, five times for IU Ohio State games. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say where where you yeah. reached out. I know Jared, you've interacted with him via email, both to set those up and also some a little bit outside of that. But uh, you know, I, I 
came to find him even when he was writing the club trillion blog and uh, all those things. And, you know, his book that he came out with that had some of those same stories in it. So just have always personally found him to be, you know, entertaining and have a, a unique take on, on college basketball this week has proven to, uh, to be no different in that regard. But Jared, I don't know if there's anything you'd, you'd kind of add about interactions you've had with him and uh, things like that. Well, Phil's referring to something I said in the community. So, uh, so Mark, if you don't uh, subscribe to the Titus and Tate podcast, you certainly should. And if you haven't listened to their latest episode, you absolutely should. Uh, and you should send it to every non IU fan who wonders why a coach might leave the NBA to go back home. Because basically Mark spends an hour talking about, you know, what makes Indiana special? Why do we care so much about basketball? And why would a guy like Brad Stevens ever think about going home? Um, and so, and actually, so that came, I'm losing all, track of all days. Um, that came out late last night. And so actually yesterday morning, he and I had about an hour long conversation. Um, cause the, the previous night, like I, I'd sent him an email just kind of talking about, you know, some of the Steven stuff. Cause he had obviously been tweeting about it a lot. And so we kind of went back and forth and I was like, you know, Hey, you know, you want to hop on the phone? We can talk about it. He's like, sure. You know, text me in the morning and we'll do it. And so I'm, I, you know, drive my daughter down someplace. It's like nine o'clock in the morning, you know, which for me, nine o'clock, that's like a normal, that's like a reasonable hour of the day. So I yeah, text he's him. on the West coast. I know. <laughs> no, I totally forgot. He's on the West coast. So he calls me back immediately and he's really groggy. Like you can tell that he just woke up, but he was so excited to talk about Brad Stevens. I guess you, anybody who, you know, who would be willing to talk about Brad Stevens with him, he was just ready to call him no matter what hour of the day. So we talked and you know, obviously we've talked before because we've had him on the show, but it was, it was kind of cool to get to talk to him just off the show. And it was, you know, sometimes you talk with someone on a podcast, but then you get them off the air and they're different. And he is absolutely not just a very genuine guy, very authentic. Everything that you hear on that podcast episode, the rants in his voice, just how passionate he is about it. It was the exact same way um, when we talked. And frankly, that's why their podcast does so well because I don't think there's anybody else who does a college basketball podcast that is able to walk the line between loving college basketball for everything it is while also pointing out the absurdity, but also showing that they kind of embrace and love the absurdity all in one. You know, it's just, it's, it's the show that does that better than any. Uh, and it does it in large part because of, because of Mark and just how much he loves it and how much he's a Hoosier at heart. And he even, he sent a tweet about that. You know, he, he chose Ohio state for college and, and obviously went there because of the relationships with Greg Oden and, and Mike Conley, but you know, his dad was an IU fan. He grew up an Indiana fan. Uh, and as he said, you know, Hey, if you're going to pay me more money to go home and I can be like the Dave Calabro and just talk about Indiana high school sports, I would do it in a heartbeat. He's like, and I, you know, live in a quote unquote dream life out here and he loves it, but it's like, that's what home means. And so for anybody who's wondering, you know, why Brad Stevens would go because at different seasons of our life, the call to home is stronger than maybe at others. And especially when you're in basketball and especially when you're from Indiana. And I think everybody who grew up in Indiana is going to listen to that and just nod along like, yes, yes, yes. And again, everybody who doesn't and all the people who have poo-pooed on this from the moment it was mentioned, you know, who don't get it, they should listen to it and try to understand because Mark laid it out really, really well. Yeah, awesome was, guy. And you should subscribe to his podcast. Yeah, it was funny. I loved him weaving in the Dave Calabro reference where I'm like driving down the road being like, <laughs> yeah totally makes sense and then i found myself thinking there are a large percentage of people listening to this that are like who the hell is dave calabro so i have knows? no idea who dave calabro is sportscaster in uh indianapolis so anyway yes. all right fellas our audience knows who he is yeah <laughs> yeah you i mean even though we really don't have time commitments we might as well play the uh 
Might as well play the normal outro if I've lost it here. Perhaps yeah. I have. There it of is. Of course. Yeah. Why not? All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's uh, lengthy episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday or if coaching news breaks before then. Until then. Take it from me. Nick's eyes loft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Coverdale's like a real early James Hart. <laughs> How long do we keep using that Archie drop? Hey, we got to change that. <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, yeah. I thought <laughs> At least for last, now. I thought one last time was okay. I mean, let's transition out of it. What are you gonna do? We'll move. We'll move away. From it, so. <laughs> All right, gents. Well, only uh, seventy-two more podcasts to uh, put out, and we can uh, catch up with Crimson Cast. So, you know, <laughs> we'll uh, do our best. I jokingly asked, although nobody actually answered. I jokingly asked them what percentage of their basketball-related podcasts over the past four years have been <laughs> have been around coaching coaching getting, related. Yeah, coaching related. I feel like at least half, and that might be low. But oh wow, sure App out. State, App State has come all the way back. They were down like double digits. I just love, I love how the the Indiana pod, Indiana basketball podcasting community is like a well put together team. Like everybody knows their role. You know what I mean? And we all do it. None of us step on each other's toes. And everybody like when games end. It's our turn, and we do our thing. Even when the games are bad and we don't want to do it, we do our thing. We have our Thursday night thing. When a coach gets fired, boom, the Crimson Cast guys take over. You know, when you need to bring in some guests and like preview teams and look at it from an analytical perspective, you've got podcasts on the brink, and Alex does an awesome job with that. When there's guys that you want to tell their story and we want to go in depth for four hours, you know, learning about someone's life and times as an IU basketball player, who's your hysterics guys do it? You know, Zach Osterman, when you want to talk about historical perspective. By the way, did you guys listen to his podcast with Chris Corman today about it's, Kel- the it's, Kelvin Sampson era? It's on deck. It's I outstanding. I've had too many meetings. I've fallen way behind. The first couple of days of the week, like, I was able to really keep up. And then the last two days, I've had meetings full every day because I'm uh, off the next couple yeah. of days. So I'm, I'm well behind in that. So I assume there's some uh, Kelvin Sampson All-Stars discussion on that, I hope. Yes, Yes, oh, it's a, it's it's really really good and perfectly timed, obviously, with Kelvin Sampson coming back to Assembly Hall. But I just want to say, yeah. is that I, under? We, I the, appreciate that under the um, mind your mind, mind your banners. Mind your banners. Okay. Yeah, I just I appreciate how we just it's kind of unspoken, but everybody kind of has their niche, you know. And when it's time to fill it, and the Crimson Cast guys, man, when a coach gets fired, boy, do they step up! <laughs> 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 My God. <laughs> So anyway, um, <clears throat> all right. Yeah, and it's then Scott, and then Scott and I did uh, a completely off the wall Crimson cast. Mm-hmm. Shock, shocking. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of interruption, a lot of no. yelling, a lot of ranting. <laughs> couple of couple of co pilots. I mean, I think it was fantastic, point. but you know, I didn't listen back to it, so I don't know. Could have been <laughs> a terrible experience for you guys. I Jen have, says, yeah. "I feel like all I've done the last twenty four hours is listen to Crimson cast." <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> Sounds about right. Fair. That checks That's out. Fair. Checks out. All right. Cool. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Andy clearly wants to, to get uh, out of here. Yeah, Andy's ready to roll. It's been it's been a long day. 
It's been a long day. It's been a long and day, I, and who knows? It could be a long day tomorrow. So let's get some get some always, rest and be ready to go. Always possible. I got to drive to a soccer game, a seven thirty soccer game in Columbus for my daughter tomorrow night. So I have uh, I have that, which will keep me from uh, imbibing at the level that I normally would on the first day of the NCAA tournament, which is probably good for. Oh, uh, what's probably. how long is that drive? Uh, from our where we're going, it's like an hour and forty minutes. It's on the south. We play on the south side this time, so it's not terrible. I mean, it's terrible from a boring perspective, but not not terrible from a <laughs> a duration standpoint. So, anyway, all right, cool. Well, yeah, uh, cool. Cer- certainly, if uh, if other things happen, we'll we'll be back before next Thursday, and otherwise, we'll uh, we'll talk to everybody then. In case Jared and I want to, unless we want to throw another impromptu uh, lunch podcast together on uh, on Monday, which I'll be off on Monday. If, new, so I if could news do happens, it. I could do it. All right. If, if, if news happens, if then needed. we're going to do it. That was, we've had some shows that have had a big traffic. That one is, that was certainly our biggest live episode ever. And it is on track to be the most downloads and listens we've ever had to an episode for a Not random surprising. Monday that wasn't planned. Had nothing in the middle to do of the, the afternoon. Game. In the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Jared, I assume you want me to, you just want me to upload the full file from this like normal or that still work? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just All upload right. the full file. All right, will do. All right, thanks, everybody. All right, later, guys. See you guys. See you guys. Enjoy the tournament. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.